You're listening to the Mind Made Wrong podcast, presented by Steel Maggie, episode number 31. All right. Hello. Hi. This is Lauren. How are you doing? Give a little bit of a, how do you do? Yeah, I've seen the princess diaries. Like, how yes. are you doing? How are you? <laughs> this is the way a queen waves. You're so good at that. I'm like, I'm like over here like, oh, I'm just going to roll my wrist because that feels really good right now. I was changing my strings last night. I'm like, let's shake that all out. You got to stretch. Yeah. I mean, I saw that movie in like, fourth grade so it's like oh in my, my psyche God. you know like those like root movies you know in your in your emotional Take development as a, as a pre-teen yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes and blonde Mandy Moore too I remember that back in she those was days. so rude oh <laughs> my gosh I know well you were supposed to which is so strange for her because she just seems so sweet in real life like just my vibe from her but yeah I agree that that one made an impression on me too <laughs> I was in love with Michael Moskowitz, you know, oh like, is it gosh, Moskowitz? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And I always thought he was cute. And like, I realized like the guy that you're supposed kind of supposed to think is cute is like the Josh guy. And like, I watched that movie very recently over and I was like, this is like the, like that two, early 2000s epitome of like hot and he's not hot at all to me. It's like, he's just <laughs> gross. <laughs> we completely... <laughs> People like listening, like listening, like at the beginning of this podcast. It's like, what are y'all talking about? But that's okay. We're that's talking okay. about movies today. We're guys. talking about Princess Diaries, and that's it. so important to us. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about you. This is your interview. <laughs> um, let's 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 get your socials and what you're all about sure. immediately, right off the bat. Sure. So I'm a life and a creativity coach um, through my business called Rare Gym. So that's raregym.org. Um, and you can find me as Rare Gym Coach on most socials. Um, my music is louisewarrenmusic.com. And I give you my websites because that will contain all the social links that your heart could desire. Right. Um, and it's just so much easier just to give you one link and let you find your preferred uh, method of contact through there. I always include all of them anyway in the description box and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, awesome. That works yeah. too. Yeah, I love it when people do that. It's it's a comprehensive, it's a one-stop shop, just like your website. I love that you have two, you know, because you have your your business and your um, and your music, which we'll, we will get, we will yeah. get into both. Yeah, so, sure. So we're just going to go origin story, origin story. Tell origin us how, story. yeah, you, get, you got into music first and then how you kind of spooned off into this little career <laughs> that spooned yeah. off is great. I just made that up I right now. <laughs> I love this so much. Spooned I don't know what that means. That. Spooned <laughs> off. Well, my first uh, visual for that is like you're eating ice cream and you like spooned off into another thing of ice cream and you're like neopolitan that... <laughs> That's Neapolitan. Like this is go. amazing. <laughs> you see, you, got, you, you were multiple flavors. <laughs> the Baskin Robbins type of deal. 
Yeah. We're so made for this. We're but so no, I feel like we're like, matter. we were like immediate friends. Like guys, yeah. like everyone listening, like we had a preliminary call and it was just like, you know, it was yeah. like, oh yeah, like we've been, we've been known each other for like years. Um, <laughs> it felt like that to me. Absolutely. I'm like, that is probably the easiest call I've ever done in my life. You know, when you're talking about your business or you're talking about heavy stuff, like your healing, um, you're always a little nervous. I think with anything I do, I'm nervous. Like mm -hmm. I, I'm just an anxious person and I tend to just be that way, period. Um, so you're always a little bit on edge when you do something new or speak to a new person, but no, you were great. It's been such a fun thing to get to talk to you and to be on this podcast. So I couldn't be more excited to, to, you know, have a call number two, but yes. yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Score for both of us. All right. Yes, both sure. teams, both teams. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, my backstory and my origin story for sure. It all started in 1990, um, in a little town called Macon, Georgia, <laughs> but no, I am, um, I started out as a musician and I honestly struggle. Um, and I know this comes across as, uh, you know, one of those people saying this, but I honestly struggle to think of a time period that I actually started writing music because it was just such a huge part of my life from a very early age. Um, I always tell people that I was the kid that retained that desire mm -hmm. to make up a song about everything because mm -hmm. I really truly think we all do that. When you watch little kids, they're just going through life like that. They're creating in so many different ways. And then as we get older, we tend to do things that we're taught to do rather than things that we're instinctively excited or moved or engaged by. And we're, we're more aware of the outside looking in than we are about how the inside moving out feels, I think. Mm -hmm. So I, I was one of those kids that retained that. Um, and just really, it was everything to me, everything to me. I would sit there for hours with CD covers and back in the day <laughs> with CD covers and, and just read who wrote what, read all the lyrics, read where it was produced, everything. I was obsessed with it. Um, and I always wanted to be on stage too, but I didn't really start performing until I was about nine or 10. And I had already been like accumulating notebooks of songs and little ideas here and there that I wanted to write and create. And um, it just kind of morphed from there. I started doing talent shows. I started being in plays, doing musical theater. Um, and then when I was 13 years old, yes, <laughs> when I was 13 years old, I picked up the guitar for the very first time. And I had played piano. I played other instruments. But when I picked up the guitar, I'm like, this is my home. This is my, this is my baby. Like I felt so at home on that instrument. And just, I would lay there for just hours strumming it with my head to the, um, the, yeah, to the, yeah, the body, to the yeah. body of it, yeah. just listening to the vibrations. It was super soothing to my nervous system. I would just do this all the time. And I, you know, that led to learning chords that led to learning, um, what I needed to do to write on it. And that was really my only interest at first was, was to get far enough on the guitar that I could start writing music with it. Same with piano is all about the writing to me. Um, and less about the playing, though I always wanted to be really good on them too. Um, for me, writing has always been the way that I communicated best and the way that I processed things um, and the way that my super hypersensitive kid self was able to cope with life. 
um, because I definitely have always identified as being highly sensitive, emotional person, and I, I needed that growing up. So I started playing guitar and I was writing better than I ever had before and really growing in my craft on this instrument because it just felt right for me. Um, and then I took a few lessons with the guitar teacher to get better. He wanted to hear my music because my mom knew him and told him that I wrote all the time. And he's like, well, I'm not going to let her get away with not playing this for me. And he heard it and he was such an encourager. Um, and he challenged me uh, to go and do an open mic night. He said, you're going to go do the next one you see. And I had to be out of state to do this. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> my family went on vacation. And I was like, great, this is perfect. No one will know me here. And I, there's no chance that if I you know, mess up really bad that it's going to like, be seen by a classmate or you know, anyone that... <laughs> that would mock me forever with it, except for my family, which they just, you know, they come by it naturally. But yeah, so I, I played out and the very first open mic night I ever did, I was just absolutely received so beautifully. It was a magical, magical moment. Like the people in the crowd were super supportive. They were like screaming, you're amazing, keep going. And it's just, to have that experience, I was just hooked. I was like, okay, this is such a, a wonderful way to get started with all of this. And to have those encouragers early on uh, were life-changing for me. So I started gigging regularly. Um, and I hit this point when I was probably about 20, 22, 23, where I just was dealing with a lot of anxiety. And some of it related to music because you know, it's a tough industry. And if you want to do it professionally or you do it often in any capacity, whether it's as a hobby or not, you know, um, however you define what you're doing, it's still a difficult thing to constantly put yourself out there and be so vulnerable and work on your craft and feel bad at it for a couple hundred months. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you like something and you're like, well, I'm pretty good. And then you're like, wait, I don't want to feel like I'm pretty good because then I'll stop growing. There's all these ups and downs to go with that. But what really had cracked me open was um, a super stable, healthy relationship um, of all things, right? Like you think, you know, once I find this wonderful relationship, it all is set for me. And that, you know, we'll have this super awesome partnership. But the thing was, I had a lot of, you know, healing work to still do that I didn't realize uh, was there for me. And a lot of um, just anxieties and fears came up for me in the form of getting something that I really wanted out of life, which was strange because I always thought, and we're always taught, um, that if we get what we want, everything's going to be fine and we're going to be happy and that's going to be the end of it. But here I was spiraling into this huge anxiety meltdown, not able to sleep or eat and nothing was really quote unquote wrong. <laughs> and yeah. I was so thrown because I'm like, what the heck is going on? Does anyone else feel this way? Am I alone in this? And that's what made me reach out and discover the world of therapy, discover the world of coaching. And I just started following a few key coaches um, like Connie Chapman and a few other um, that have morphed into different businesses right now. So I don't really think that they'd, they'd still be around, but they started talking about, um, you know, loving yourself and taking care of yourself and how 
all your relationships are mirrors to that, to what is going on with your inner self. And I just stopped and I'm like, I don't even, I understand the language, but I don't understand how to do this. And I, I realized that I needed a lot of work. Um, it all kind of came to a head. You know, I started going to therapy and I, I was following these coaches and doing a lot of work on my own, but it came to a head when um, I would say in 2015, when I lost my father suddenly. And I just knew, I just knew I need support to get through that. And so I hired a therapist and I hired a coach and I just determined um, after, and this was about a year into grieving too, I would say. So if, if anyone out there is grieving and they're like, wow, she was super productive during this time. No, I was not. <laughs> I was, I was not. That entire year it was definitely dedicated to feeling all the feels and going through um, whatever grieving looked like for me at that year. But I reached 2016 a year later. And I'm like, when you go through something like that and you lose somebody suddenly and life changes for you pretty drastically, I think that you have a new appreciation for your time here. And for me, it became desperate to do the things that I wanted to do in life. And I had never recorded an album. So I'm like, I'm going to do that. I don't care how hard this is, how I have to fund it. I'm going to record this album and make it happen. And that was how I entered 2016. And I hired coaches, I hired therapists, and I started unraveling a lot of this work for myself. And it resulted in me doing that album and releasing it by 2017. But also all of this healing work around boundaries, self-care, self-love started to come to the surface for me. And I realized that I really needed to lean into this lesson. And um, that led me during the same year to start looking into becoming a coach myself because I was so blown away by how that support really helped me and how, you know, it changed the course of my life. It changed the course of my story. Had I not had that, I might've imploded my relationship. I might've imploded these good things in my life and I might've never recorded that album, you know? So I wanted to be that for other people. Yes. Oh my goodness. That's I, <laughs> you, you put it so succinct. Like it was just so, such a package right there. Thank I loved you. it. Yeah. It's just like, perfect. It's musician storytelling. You know, we only have like three yeah. minutes anyways. You have three minutes <laughs> out. Yeah. I, I just want to, I want to mention a couple of things when you mentioned, when you said that you took, um, that year, to grieve, you know, and you didn't make, you didn't force yourself to, um, produce, you know, produce, 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 because that's the thing. And it, like, you know, you're just like, Oh, I've got, I have, I've got to get content. You know, it's, yeah, uh, that's the thing that this, this industry is so, um, hell bent, um, at least this ethos of like, you know, yeah. um, hustle, 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 hustle. And that's something <laughs> yeah. that I like to debunk, you know, in my, oh, yes. Because it is so backwards and so toxic that it's like, I'll sleep till I'm dead and I'm not going to, you know, it's like, mm, do I you, hate that. Yeah. And people are like, oh, do you want this? You know? And it's, it's like, oh, do you really want yes. this? <laughs> it's like, okay, yes. like I am not healthy inside. And if I can't, if I'm not healthy inside, I can't be, I can't do the best of my creative work. So you know, true. I'm not going to be there mentally and I'm probably not going to wake up. And even when I'm depressed, I'm not even going to want to, you know, 
yeah. create. You don't want yeah. to. It's 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 you're you're just you're so heavy, you know. And um, especially when you go some through something that is so like situational when it comes to like grief, you know. And th- especially when you're not, you know, suddenly. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You took yeah. your time, you know, and you took, and that was, that is so important for people out there to know is that there is no rush. Yeah. There is no rush. You know, it, what is going to happen is going to happen. And yes, you do have to make steps. You do have to yeah. take your at bats and stuff, but totally. it is so important to really respect your, your emotions. And that's what I love mm. about you is that you went through such a process to actually, um, just dismantle all the things that you, and we're going to get into it, um, that dismantle all the things that, um, the beliefs that you had from childhood and from your family things. And then the other thing that I wanted to, to say, what was it? It's gone. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. okay. It's it's absolutely okay. Um, no, 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 I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, it's, it's the, it's that you really used these resources and that you weren't, um, you know, going to therapy is also something that people don't talk about. Um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, I have to have, I'm, my problems are, you know, it's like, oh, it's first world problems. Like you shouldn't, you know, like, you know, whatever, you know, um, but it's, it's like, no, I'm still a yeah. person, you know, I do have these advantages, but, um, it's like, oh, well, you're having so much problems that you have to, you know, get help, you know, and there's a little bit of a mm, shame. There's a lot stigma. of shame to stigma yeah. that's out. Don't like it out. Yeah. Um, totally out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with canceled. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that I, I had a wonderful experience with a coach named Madison Hedlund, um, in her group called awaken her soul. Um, it's a group coaching program that I did and I've done a lot of them. This has just been like my journey over the past couple of years is to really lean into this work. And one of the best things that I learned from her group specifically was that you don't have to have a breakdown to want better for yourself. You don't have to reach rock bottom to want something greater for yourself. And she does a lot of similar work around worthiness. Um, And that was such a life-changing moment for me to realize that. But for me, it did come in the form of, okay, this reached an uncomfortable point because had it not, I probably wouldn't have changed because I was so used to tolerating so much. And taking it on and being that person that would self-sacrifice and being a bit of an emotional martyr uh, for other people. I wasn't really taught how to be there for myself. I wasn't really taught how to support my own self. I was raised and taught how to support other people around me and to be the good girl and to be the one that was taking care of everyone. Um, Southern, yeah. <laughs> Southern right, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's still crazy. And the yeah. people who were teaching me this were taught that. So it's yeah. not, you know, there's no blame here. It's just a, a structure and a system that's working against us, especially women, women, um, yeah. where you're taught constantly to lean into other people's needs. And I think that there's so much value in compassion and empathy and loving one another. But if you are not loving yourself, then you're just draining. You're draining a resource that isn't there. You're tapping into, you know, the reserve tank Mm -hmm. and you're going to blow a fuse at some point. I don't care how level-headed you are. Like something's going to happen in your life and it's going to reach that rock bottom point. I've seen it a thousand times with 
women especially who are caregivers or they are just that figurehead in their lives where they're always taking care of other people. And the reason that that happens is not anything like they're bad or they're awful or, oh man, they should like be able to take this better. Like we tend to tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's that, of course, (laughs) you know, if you don't care for your car, it's going to break down. If you don't put fuel in it, you would not expect it to make like a 300 mile trip, would you? No, you wouldn't because it's not possible. And I think that we need to rethink how we treat ourselves because it's equally not possible for us to be able to perform our best, write our best, connect deeply with ourselves, um, show up the way that we want to show up in our relationships. None of this is possible if we don't refuel ourselves. Absolutely. Um, I have, you know, as I experience bipolar type two, um, my, um, my levels of self-esteem are sometimes like grandiose, Mm -hmm. you know, and then Mm -hmm. other times there, I, I am like worm, you know, I'm absolute shit, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes I, I feel like Jesus, you know? And so, um, (laughs) it's, so it's, it's, um, uh, it is sometimes rough for me to, um, feel a sense, like a consistent sense of self of, I am actually valuable as a person and Mm -hmm. I have intrinsic value. And, you know, I, I preach this all the time because I want, I want it to sink in, you know, to my listeners. I want it to sink into me, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that's, that's part of this podcast is my own therapy. Um, and so I want to talk about, I kind of wanted this, I want, I want this to be more of like a two-parter because, um, I want you, I, w- I want to hear from you um, when you realized, you know, that you kind of, my, my big question in, you know, the, the, the beginning, close to the beginning is, was there ever a moment in your life when you felt like your mind was made wrong as per the theme of this mm. podcast? And how did you go about the process of making it right? And you've started to tell us a little bit about that yeah. already. Oh yeah. And then, and then how did you, um, grow into this self-worth mode, you know, like how did this become, um, so, um, rooted in your life? And I know it's a process, but, um, for, 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 for some of us really struggle with this, um, I want to know from your perspective how that was possible for you. Absolutely. Okay. So first I want to say we teach the lessons we need to learn the most. Always. (laughs) So this was something that I needed to learn the most and something I'm still working on. I never want to present myself like I'm on a pedestal or I'm higher up than anybody. I'm shoulder to shoulder with you in the trenches Mm -hmm. going through this work as well. (laughs) And it's tough stuff. I'm just farther along on my own journey and I'm farther along on my own work around this. I'm not where I was um, even two years ago with it, which is so beautiful to see that we can grow and change and develop this muscle of really loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves. So Mm -hmm. I want to say, if you're not where you want to be with it, the first thing I want to say to anyone listening is that's okay. You know, it's, you're not going to ride the bike perfectly the first time. This is, if this is something new for you, understand it is a process and it's going to take time. Um, Training wheels. Yes. Yeah. 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 For me, um, Okay. What was your first question around this? Sorry. What, how, is there ever a moment in your life where yeah. you felt okay. like your mind was made wrong and how did Absolutely. you go about the process of healing and then 
siphon that, spoon it off into, <laughs> spoon it into self-worth. <laughs> into your so process hard. of, 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 um, of um, building up that sense. Yes. How we can do that as well. Thank you so much for the reminder. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I was one of those people where I grew up kind of feeling that way um, because I was so hypersensitive and hyper um, emotional. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I grew up feeling like, why are not, why is, why are the people around me able to just handle this? Why are they able to like, um, endure some of the things that would normally just make me just utterly break down. And this was something that was spoken about regularly in my household growing up, you know, about my emotions. And I think that I noticed that when I was writing, that got so much better for me. And I think that that was my version of self-healing is leaning into my writing. So whenever I was writing, I noticed, okay, well, I'm not feeling this desire to react to this situation as much. Um, So that was the very first self-healing I ever did. And I was doing it before I realized what it was doing for me um, because I was just interested in it and engaged with it and excited by it. So I'm like, I want to go write a song. But I I started to realize the the higher level of value that it had for my emotional healing around whatever I was experiencing in my life or just my processing through joy or pain. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be something negative, but it definitely um, helped with those situations. So I think that was kind of my bit, my foray into self-healing, my very first thing that I did that helped me um, function as a very emotional person and a very emotional human being. and a highly sensitive person. So I think that that was definitely the very first thing. But yeah, of course, I definitely always felt like there was something off with me. Um, I definitely felt like I was always on a roller coaster of emotions. I definitely always felt like I couldn't get a grip on myself. And I always felt like I should be able to mm-hmm. somehow get a grip on myself. Like, why do, is everyone else so in control? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everyone else can. I'm like, why are they wrong with me? <laughs> but, but I came to find out that they weren't as in control as they led me to believe. Um, and that honestly, whatever experience of your own inner world, that's yours and yours alone. Like it doesn't, it's so harmful to sit there and compare. You know, it's so harmful to sit there and say, well, why am I not experiencing this? Well, nobody else has been through what you've been through. No one else has your chemical design. No one else is in your body. And I, I came to find out that a good good bit of this was related to a chronic illness that I was diagnosed with um, called POTS and EDS, so Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Um, and there's been a few musicians and stars to come out lately as having this, which has been super fun to watch. So good. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to see that awareness and go, oh my gosh, me, me too, I'm experiencing this, thank you for talking about it, which is the beautiful thing about this podcast is that being able to talk about this and take that stigma and shame away and be able to have a resource and provide that resource for people who feel like their their minds are also made wrong or they're going through um, the, the harder part of this, like that is so amazing that you're doing that. And I love, I love that our culture is moving towards that. Thank God. <laughs> it's about time. It's yeah. about time. And it I am so, time. yeah, I wish that this was happening when I was growing up because then I think that when I experienced anxiety and depression, that I wouldn't have shamed myself so hard or been like, well, why can't I just be productive? Why can't I get this done? Why can't I 
function this way? Why are other people accomplishing so much and farther along, quote unquote, than I am? And this is stuff that still comes up in my life today. Um, and it's definitely a journey. But I think the positive thing that I did, you kind of already touched on, it's leaning into the available resources. It's leaning into coaches. It's leaning into therapists. It's leaning into podcasts, books, whatever it takes to make you feel like you are seen and heard and other people have a pathway for moving through this, the better, because it does take away the shame around it. When you know that even one other person is going through what you went through, you feel like you can be supported in that moment. So I think that that was a huge part of my healing. Um, internally, some of the stuff I did was just starting to listen to my needs and deliver on those needs and not, um, not shame myself for, for needing something, like pouring into myself as much as I was to other people. That was a huge part of it. Okay, absolutely. Um, I know that we talked about um, journaling, that we're both heavy journalers, you know, yeah. and you brought out that sense of um, self-awareness of those needs. Yeah. And um, you noticed that it, helped through your art and through your writing. So can we yeah. talk a little bit more about, about that process? How Absolutely. today, you know, um, I want to hear about your um, kind of most significant struggle um, today when you're still going, when you're still going through those. Sure. Things. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, writing is my number one way of processing everything that I deal with. Um, if I'm not writing, I always notice a dip in my mood and I always notice that I'm not where I could be if I was opening that valve. Um, and it always looks a little different. Mm -hmm. The way that I do it is I just sit down and I let whatever come out, wants to come out, come out. And I don't judge it. I, I turn my critic side off for sure. That is something that I have been extremely adamant about because I've noticed what a difference it makes when I sit down and I just let myself rewrite and I let myself pour um, into whatever I'm doing and whatever I'm feeling. Um, and I don't edit it or judge it or do anything with it, um, until it's completely out on the paper and it's completely where it needs to be. And I do the same with my journaling. It's free writing. It's not judging. It's not editing. It's not, um, anything but moving the pen across the paper and allowing myself to speak my truth. And through that, it's been amazing what change can come about because i truly believe internally every person knows what they need and every person knows what's best for them. And writing allows us to engage with that deep inner knowing and that deep inner self. And it's like talking to a friend. It's, it's just a way to channel that. It's just a way to channel that conversation so you don't feel really awkward with two chairs sitting in a kitchen going, all right, I'm going to sit in this chair and have a conversation with the other person in the chair and I'll just switch sides. I've heard people use that exercise before and it sounds so cheesy, but honestly, like whatever you need to do to converse with yourself and talk to yourself like a friend, it happens to be writing for me. It happens to be um, that way of connecting best. I know some people get in their car and they drive around and they talk to themselves and that works for them. Yeah. But I think anything that we're doing that connects to ourself is innately going to be creative work. You know, it's, it's deeply creative work because I feel like when we tap into that deep part of ourself, it just wants to, it just wants to express in this world. 
you know, it wants to, to live it to the fullest and it wants to be vibrant and explore everything that this life has to offer. That's usually um, a common denominator, I would say. Um, I remember that you talked about um, noticing patterns in your life and um, you said something that was so um, brilliant. Patterns um, show us what is wrong, but they also show us what is right. Yes. Um, And I want to kind of talk about um, maybe a pattern that an example of a pattern that you've noticed recently um, that you can expound upon I don't know if expound is, is a word. Yeah. Honestly, no, I've, been, I've been thinking, it is? Right. Okay. Like, I feel like it should be expand upon, uh, but like ex- expound is expound. like it's explain, such an expand. Word. I don't know. <laughs> I want you to be able, um, if you can um, show us a pattern, it's it's okay if you if you need to take some time to think about this. Sure, yeah. Um, but um, I love giving examples, you know, in this podcast because um, they can kind of trigger, you know, some, some thoughts of our own. It's like, oh, I never thought about that mm, that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so take your time. We'll cut it out. <laughs> so like a pattern that I've discovered through writing, through mm. my music. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> so many, yeah. so many choices. Recently, um, recently. I would say one of the most prominent ones that I am discovering mm-hmm. recently is that I have a tendency as a as an INFP and somebody that's super idealistic. Wait, you're an um, INFP? To, this is yes. why we're. This is why I'm an I INFP. Am, are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so perfect. This is why. It's meant to be. (laughs) It's so great. (laughs) I am freaking out. (laughs) So you probably know where I'm going with this. Absolutely. Um, But I tend to be very idealistic. And sometimes the way that this shows up for me as an INFP is just um, looking at the past like it was better somehow. Um, or looking at the future like it's going to be better somehow than where my present is. So I've been noticing this and I've been trying really hard to work on writing from my present moment, writing from my present state and appreciating my present state because I definitely tend to, um, you know, a year from now, I'll idealize this poor part of my life because that's just how my brain works sometimes is like, I tend to like look back and go, oh, well, that was really great. But when I'm in it, when I'm in it, sometimes my um, natural mode is, this is horrible. Like, why do I have to deal with this problem right now? Why is this happening? Like, what am I going through right now? And so I think that it's made me very aware of how my idealistic nature can um, warp some of the reality of a situation um, and really change how I look back on it. And sometimes these are my best songs though. So I, I really, um, I wrote a song called Lavender Sound, which everyone in my life for years and years and years said, I don't know how you're ever going to top this song. It's so beautiful. Like I love it so much. And um, that can definitely give you a complex in and of itself. <laughs> it's like, okay, like, excuse me. I can do, I can, do, I can, 
It's like, there's no level. I hate yeah. that. I hate that. It's just like, <laughs> and I wrote it at 21. So I'm like, I can't cap here. Like, please God, no. And it's like, I just, I want to keep getting better and better and better. Um, but they, they definitely loved that song. Every person I played it for, I haven't received a lot of negative, um, anything around it, which is cool, but it's also one of my most idealistic songs looking back on a time period where I was doing a lot of growing, but in the moment that growing didn't feel like how I wrote about it. Didn't feel like growing, did it? Yeah. (laughs) It didn't feel like this beautiful, transformative, um, giving to my personal self, uh, you know, <laughs> meta- magical, yeah, like, like <laughs> just unicorns moment. Like that's honestly yeah. what, if you listen to this song, you're going to be like, wow, that was such a magical time period for her becoming who she's meant to be. Like all of these beautiful things that she's talking about and it smells like lavender and it's all these things. But the truth is the work that led to that was so grueling and horrible and felt terrible. And there was a thousand other songs where I was talking about that. Mm -hmm. But I think that I have this tendency to lift things in like this magical realm of like untouchable idealism. And I think that um, the pattern that I've seen with that is like, that's a beautiful way of processing what was and what may be. Um, But also it's okay to breathe into the present moment and be where you are and acknowledge the good and the bad in the gray areas. And I think that sometimes um, in storytelling too, we want it to be good or bad. We want us to be either having a good emotion, a bad emotion. Like we tend to categorize things like this is a happy song. This is a sad song. And I think that you can have plenty of happy, sad moments. <laughs> you know, Bittersweet. I, that's my, that's my, that's my bread and butter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's a really interesting place to write from. Um, way more than, you know, pure nostalgia and happiness or like having layers of emotions only adds layers of beauty to your work. You know, there's nothing wrong with being completely human and completely what you are in that moment. And you don't have to um, idealize it. So that's definitely one of my present patterns that I'm unraveling. We're all shades of, of sepia tone, you know, we're all shades of, yeah, I, I don't like shades of gray because then I just think of like the terrible book and movie, you know, <laughs> so it's shades of sepia now or sepia. I don't know. It's like that, that phrase is unusable now, shades of gray. It's like, thanks. Just, it's like, well, I can never thanks. say that again. <laughs> What forgot the author's name yeah. but it's yeah, like thanks yeah. you know people yeah, used to say thanks, thanks obama i want to say thanks whatever whatever her name was <laughs> yeah yeah if we deserve our great our great tunes we deserve yeah we deserve our no, our, our monochrome you know our uh yeah, <laughs> our, yeah. shades of it. monochrome <laughs> you've got i don't know if it's me but you got a little bit of um oh my gosh Oh, it's like a, a rainbow thing. Yeah, yeah, like a like a rainbow effect. <laughs> I was talking about it for a moment. I'm like, that's kind of cool looking. I'll stop now. I'm, I'm keeping um, that. I'm keeping that in the video. <laughs> it's like not. Hold on, I got to find the it's right pretty, angle. So it's a filter. Yes. There you go. Yes. Oh, that's really pretty. That's that's very pretty. Okay. <laughs> um. So absolutely, I want to. I really want to um, highlight that 
growth is first of all not linear. Yeah. And if growth if it feels uncomfortable, then you're probably doing it right. Yeah. You know, growth is not <laughs> glorious. It is a messy, no. it is it is feels bad, you know. In the arena. Yeah. Like yeah. it's you know, it's that's that beautiful quote about being in the arena and not being the critic, you know. In the arena, we praise the people who are who are doing that. You know, we praise the people who are um working hard and we when we look at them from the outside and we're like wow they're just awesome they're killing it but the inside experience for them may not be that way you know so many people that I talk about who have been mentors for me or who I've looked up to you listen to them actually talk about an experience and it's not this beautiful um easy thing all the time growth is never going to be uh, one set way for each person. It's going to look differently for every single person. And it's probably going to look differently, uh, from one time period of your life to the next, you know, what worked for me in 2016 may not be how I grow now. And I think that it's okay for this process to change and to morph, um, especially in creativity too, when you're writing and you're, you're creating things, it may not come the same way that it used to for you. And it's okay to explore whatever might be working in the now it's okay to evolve i mean we're supposed to yes we're supposed, we're supposed to. to you're doing something right if it's not uh coming about the same way or if it is and it looks a little messier this time you're doing something right if you're just in your process and you're showing up for it that is all you have to do just keep showing up keep being present with it and the process will take you through what you need it to you know, it'll, it'll lead you through the journey. You don't have to guide it or be in control of it at all.